0: whether it's a disgraced celebrity or a demoted coworker celebrating someone's misfortune shows bad taste and judgment what it doesn't show is love today on turning point dr david jeremiah continues his series in 1 corinthians 13 revealing what it means that love does not rejoice in unrighteousness listen as david introduces his message love's power over negative attitudes we know there are a lot of people who are born
1: in the negative. Have you ever discovered that? Uh, I've been around some people uh, in my lifetime, and honestly, uh, I have not ever heard a positive thing from some of them. They just live their life in the negative, and that wears on you. We need to go through life. Trying to discover the good things that people do instead of always recognizing the mistakes that they make, but some people just can't do that. They they just taught themselves to be negative. In the Bible, there are some truths to help us overcome that and to learn how to overcome it if it's happening to you and not in you. So we're going to talk about that in a few moments as we take one session on the subject of love's power over negative attitudes. Still left in the series is discouragement, time, and the final priority. We'll finish up our discussion of First Corinthians 13, as we come to the end of the month of September. And then in October, we'll introduce the brand new book just completed that will be released October uh, in the bookstores. So we have a lot of exciting things ahead of us. I hope you're having a good September, a good week, and wherever you get this program and whatever time, so far, a good day. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13, and let's begin our discussion of love's power over negative attitudes.
2: Most of us can't change what happens to us. All we can change is the way we respond to it. We can't be in charge of the happenings of life or what people say or how they say it or even to whom they say it. But we can be in charge of how we respond the Bible says love doesn't rejoice in iniquity love rejoices in the truth back in the year of 1939 the Spanish war was almost over just outside Madrid a rebel by the name of General Mola prepared to attack someone asked him which of his four columns would be the first to enter the city to the inquirer's surprise he replied Not any of the four, the fifth. General Mola was speaking of the most important force he knew that would help him win his battle. And that was the rebel sympathizers who were already in the city, a part of the community he was trying to defeat, already fighting for him behind the loyalist lines. General Mola's remark coined the phrase fifth column activity. And it has become a synonym, as you know, for traitorous forces during World War II, it was a fifth column in Norway that brought about the country's collapse Norway's leader Vidkun Quisling became a puppet premier of Adolf Hitler and the German Nazis and when at the end of the war Norway was freed Quisling was put to death for treason fifth column have you heard of it before and we talk about it often there's fifth column activity in the church satan has a fifth column and i am absolutely convinced that satan's fifth column are the people of god who haven't learned how to rejoice in the truth but spend all of their time rejoicing in iniquity Now, when the bible says that love does not rejoice in unrighteousness what it means to say is this that love does not take satisfaction from sin whether it is our own sin or the sins of other people Doing wrong things is bad enough in itself, but bragging about them makes the sins even worse. To rejoice in unrighteousness is to justify it. It is making wrong appear to be right. It is a reminder to us of what Isaiah the prophet said in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Uh, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. And there's much of that that goes on in our world today where people rejoice in iniquity. You've learned as well as I have that bad news travels quickly, that you can get more press coverage for something sick, sinful, and sordid than you could ever get for something that is beautiful and lovely. Men and women today have come to understand that bad news is good news in the sense that it makes the headlines and provides for readership and listenership but God's love is saddened when it hears of the defeats and the tragedies in other people's lives it is easy to be glad if we are not careful at another person's misfortune especially when their misfortune has a tendency to make us look better but God says as Christian people we never rejoice in the iniquity and we never rejoice in sin I'm reminded of two passages of scripture that immediately come to my mind Third John 4 where John writes, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Say let me ask you as we begin, what makes you happy? Do you rejoice when you hear that others are doing well, that they're walking with the Lord, that they're going on with Him? Do you rejoice because you're a man or a woman filled with love when you hear that the people of God are triumphing in their goals? And then 1 Peter 4, 8 reminds us, above all, keep fervent love in your heart for one another because, it says, love covers a multitude of sins. I've had people question me about that. Is it possible for us to get credit against our sins because we're loving? Oh, that's not the meaning of the verse at all. What the verse means is this. When you love somebody, you cover their sins. You don't broadcast them. I'm reminded of the Old Testament illustration of Noah's sons who came upon the, the nakedness of their father, and they were so embarrassed because it was so wrong, and instead of broadcasting that their father was drunk and naked, do you remember what they did? They put a covering behind them, and they backed up against their father and covered his nakedness because they loved him and that's what paul is talking about in first corinthians thirteen he's telling us that if we're loving people we will never find great joy in announcing the sins of others but we will rejoice in the truth and in the good sometimes rejoicing in unrighteousness takes the form of actually hoping that someone will make a mistake or fall into sin let me illustrate what i mean i have known christian people who have wanted to be rid of their marriage partners or were already divorced, but because they did not believe in remarriage unless the other partner was unfaithful, they actually hoped that their spouses would commit adultery so they themselves could be scripturally free to remarry. I've had people say that to me. They rejoiced literally in the iniquity of their partner because it was of benefit to them. Rejoicing in sin is wrong, first of all, because sin, you see, is an affront to God. We cannot imagine taking delight in a tragedy that befalls a friend or a loved one, yet when we delight in sin, we are delighting in the very thing that offends the heart of our God. We are finding joy in something that was a part of nailing Jesus Christ to the cross. When we find within our hearts the excitement welling up when we hear somebody else's misfortune or they've had a problem or they've been unfaithful or they've gotten into sin, and somehow we begin to feel good about that, We have become a part of affronting God because sin is the very thing that nailed him to the cross. Secondly, rejoicing in evil is a subtle temptation. Now, who could stand up and say, yes, pastor, that's one of my big problems. I rejoice in iniquity. No Christian ever admits to that. In fact, you may be here watching on television or listening on the radio and you've already made up your mind that this message isn't for you. I mean, after all, you hate sin. You fight it. You march against it. You give money to see it wiped out of this world. You're against pornography and all of the other sick sins of our culture. You don't rejoice in evil. You rejoice in truth but I want to ask you some questions that will reveal the subtlety of the sin of rejoicing in evil are you ready for this listen carefully if you are a mediocre student struggling to stay afloat in competitive classes it is tempting to rejoice if others in your class receive C's when you manage to be mm. Do you ever feel that did you ever go away from asking your friend, What did you get? They're downcast. They're really discouraged. I got a C. You got a B. And you don't know what you're happier over their C or your B. Easy to do it, isn't it? Easy to get excited about somebody else's problem. All right, here's another question. If your business turns sour and uh, your creditors are knocking at the door, while your friends are doing splendidly it is tempting to rejoice on the day their stocks take a tumble isn't it i mean after all why should they do better than you do why shouldn't you rejoice if they get into some trouble that seems to be all you have and if you're honest you can remember times when there was a warm feeling in your heart when you heard of somebody else's misfortune who was a competitor Somebody who failed and because of their failure put you in a better position Here's one for all of us parents If your children are rebelling while the children of your friends are making their parents proud The news that your friend's successful child has gotten into trouble makes you feel good Though you know your friend is suffering. Have you ever known that feeling? you sort of commiserate you sort of feel like well maybe it's not so bad their kids are as bad as our kids and you have a temptation to rejoice Do you see how subtle it is how easy it can be and in the ministry it happens all the time you know you're striving to make goals to see growth to see things develop and if you're not careful you hear about some other pastor who's in trouble or he's had a problem and uh, you should call him up and say my brother My heart goes out to you, and I'm on your side, and I want to be an encouragement to you, and what can I do to help you? But if you're not careful, you rejoice in their evil. Not overtly, not out loud. But you see, the Bible says if you love, you never rejoice in the evil or the misfortune of another. Because what is love? Remember what we said it was? Love is that which always seeks the best in the one loved and if evil has befallen the object of your love how can you rejoice the third thing i want to say about rejoicing in evil is this rejoicing in evil is not only a sin against god in a subtle temptation but rejoicing in evil is a synonym for gossip please listen carefully one of the most common forces and one of the most common means of rejoicing in evil is gossip gossips would do little harm if they didn't have so many eager listeners This sin, which many Christians treat lightly, is wicked, not only because it uncaringly yields and reveals weaknesses and sins of others and hurts them, but because the heart of the gossip is rejoicing in evil. That's why it's wrong. Gossip that is true is still gossip. Sometimes I think people believe, well, if it's true, it's not gossip. It's just the truth. But depending on how you tell it and where you tell it and to whom you tell it, it's still gossip. The essence of gossip, you see, is gloating over the shortcomings and sins of others. Have you ever had anybody come up and whisper in your ear, have you heard, and then tell you something good? I mean, hardly ever happens. When anybody ever says to me, have you heard, I know I'm in for some bad news. And how exciting it is to pick up the phone, bad news travels so quickly. If we could ever get the good news to travel as fast as the bad news, we'd have a revolution evangelistically. But you see, gossip is the epitome of delighting in evil. I remember reading something that Granville Walker wrote. He said, there are times when silence is yellow. Times when we ought to stand on our feet and regardless of the consequences, challenge the gross evils of our time. Times when not to do so is the most blatant form of cowardice times when silence is yellow, but he went on to say, there are other times when silence is golden, when to tell the truth is to make many hearts bleed needlessly, and when nothing is accomplished and everything is hurt by a loose tongue. Two kinds of silence, (laughs) yellow silence and golden silence, and you need to know the difference between the two, because if you're not careful, you will allow your tongue to be an instrument That rejoices in evil. I love what Ephesians 429 says. It says let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth But only such a word as it is good for edification According to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear it says literally don't let any kind of negative Word come out of your mouth, but let the words that build up that's edification Let building up words come out of your mouth And in doing that you will be blessed Someone has estimated that the average person utters some 30,000 words every day. Put into print, this would amount to a small book seven times a week. That's how much you talk. Those volumes, in the course of a lifetime, would fill up a good sized library just from the things you say. And someone else has said that a child spends two years learning how to speak and the rest of his life learning how to shut up. I think there's truth in that, isn't there? You see, when you let gossip get away, you've lost control of it. You no longer can control the destiny of it. You say something, it even may be true, set in the wrong context, with the wrong innuendos, with the wrong inflection in your voice. You say that one thing, and you've said it, and it's gone. And where it goes, and how it ends up being reported to others, and what damage it does because of the misinformation, you can't control any longer, only you're still responsible for it because you spoke the evil. And passed it on. I have known Christian leaders, as you have, who have had stories started about them that have absolutely no basis or no truth. That it has taken them literally years to shut down. One Christian couple that I greatly admire, and someone started the rumor around the world that they were getting a divorce. They're deeply in love. They never even thought of divorce. They, they just never been an option with them. But just about every month they get calls from someplace in the world asking them before they come to speak, are you getting a divorce? And they've said to me, I wonder how long it'll take to live down the idle word of one man. And they finally trace down where it all started. One man spread a rumor that he had heard without checking it out. And before he knew it, it was all over the place and you can't ever get it back. Because gossip is believing the evil and passing it on. It is the overt illustration of this passage. Solomon, who, as you know, penned the Proverbs of the Old Testament, writes strong and wise words concerning this subject. I want to read some of those words to you so you won't forget. Wise men store up knowledge, but with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at hand. Proverbs 10:14. Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 10:19 He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Proverbs 11:13 The one who guards his mouth preserves his life and the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 13:3 He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets; therefore do not associate with a gossip. Proverbs 20:19 like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in a time of trouble, Proverbs 25:19. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit, Proverbs 25:28. There are two messages in all those Proverbs. Number one, it's bad to be a gossip. Number two, it is absolutely ridiculous to associate with one. Isn't it interesting that in a body like ours, There are always some folks who seem to know all the bad things about everyone. Be wary of that person. They're the kind of person who's always open to listen to the gossip. They're the collecting place for all the bad news. Don't hear much good news from folks like that. They just seem to generate. They're like a magnet for all the bad things that are going on. You want to know what's bad? Just call them up. They've got all the details. But the Bible says it's dangerous to hang around with someone like that because they'll foul up your spirit, too. They'll poison your heart and your mind, and before you know it, you'll begin to believe some of the things they're saying, which may not have any relationship whatsoever to the truth. Rejoicing in evil. I want to ask you, do you rejoice in the truth, or do you rejoice in evil? I came across this in my reading, something from the life of John Wesley. And it was a covenant that he made. He made this covenant with every man that he worked with in the ministry. And they all agreed, signed the covenant, hung it on their study wall so they'd never forget it. And this was the six-fold covenant. Listen carefully. Number one, that we will not listen or willingly inquire after ill concerning one another. Number two, that if we do hear any ill of each other, we will not be forward to believe it. Number three, that as soon as possible, we will communicate what we hear by speaking or writing to the person concerned. Number four, that until we have done this, we will not write or speak a syllable of it to any other person. Number five, that neither will we mention it after we have done this to any other person. In other words, even after we've talked to the person, we still won't mention it. And number six, that we will not make any exception to any of these rules unless we think ourselves absolutely obliged in conference. They hung that up on their wall so that when they would hear something about their brother in the ministry, something evil, they just wouldn't believe it. They just wouldn't accept it until they had checked it out. What a difference that would make in the body of Christ and how that would express our love. That we have chosen not to believe an evil report, but to rejoice rather in the truth. And if you don't have any truth to rejoice about, you're not listening. Or perhaps you're not hanging around the right people. Or you're not in the right place. In the right circumstance because we do have a choice don't we we can choose what we're going to get excited about are we going to get excited about all the good things that God is doing or are we going to choose to get bent out of shape about all the evil things that will always be a part of any collection of people no matter where or who they are you have to make the choice and you have the option And the Bible tells you which choice to make the Bible says if you're a loving person you won't rejoice in iniquity but you'll rejoice in the truth. Some of you remember R.G. Letourneau, who built all the huge earth-moving machinery, and uh, he had one huge earth-mover that they called uh, the G-Machine. And uh, someone asked him one day, why do you call that big machine the G-Machine? He said, well, he said, we called it that if you want to know the truth, because it really is, we call the machine gossip and the machine has the same capability of gossip it can move lots of dirt fast <laughs> and that's what gossip is isn't it and if we're not careful we can get caught up in it near the end of the sixteenth century a famous french preacher by the name of bishop massillon made a striking comment about the things which james has to say about the importance of the tongue he said the tongue of the slanderer is a devouring fire which tarnishes whatever it touches which exercises its fury on the good and on the evil on the profane and on the sacred which wherever it passes leaves only desolation and ruin it digs even into the bowels of the earth and fixes itself on things of the most hidden turns into vile ashes what only a moment before had appeared to us so precious and brilliant it is disguised hatred which sheds the hidden venom of the heart an unworthy duplicity which praises to the face and then tears to pieces behind the back, a shameful levity which often sacrifices both fortune and comfort to the imprudence of an amusing conversation. It is a deliberate barbarity which goes to pierce your absent brother, a scandal where you become a subject of shame and sin to those who listen to you, an injustice where you ravish from your brother what is dearest to him. It is a restless evil which disturbs society, spreads dissension through cities and countries, disunites the strictest friendships. It is the source of hatred and revenge, and everywhere is an enemy to peace, comfort, and Christian good breeding. It is an evil full of deadly poison. Whatever flows from it is affected and poisons whatever it approaches. Its praises are empoisoned its applause is malicious its silence criminal its gestures motions and looks all have their venom and spread it each one in its own way the very very straightforward description of the evil of rejoicing in iniquity let me remind you again rejoicing in iniquity is a sin against god rejoicing in iniquity is a subtle temptation Rejoicing in iniquity is a synonym for gossip. Rejoicing in iniquity is a choice because you can rejoice in the truth.
1: Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Those thoughts are are really um, attitude changing when you think about them. You don't have to be negative. You choose to be negative. And you can make a choice not to be negative. That's what... Paul is saying to us about love. Well, tomorrow is my message in this series. I don't have uh, a lot of things that are bothering me so far in this list, but I must confess to you that on occasion I can get discouraged if enough things pile up on me. And tomorrow we're going to talk about love's power over discouragement. Hey, let me tell you something that will help you not to be discouraged. Go on a cruise. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's right. At the end of this year, we're going to the Caribbean, beginning on the 27th of December and uh, coming back on the 7th of January, spending the new year on a cruise ship with a bunch of God's people. And uh, Michael Sanchez, Uriel Vega, and the Martins will be with us. I hope you can come. Find out about it at Davidjeremiah.org, Make your reservation and plan to join us as we close out the old year and begin the new year together. See you next time.
0: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Power of Love, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine turning points and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2024 focused on God's enduring faithfulness, the unchanging promises of God. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International and New King James versions, available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Power of Love on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah.
1: In a recent survey, 73% of people said the best way to improve telephone customer service is to have a real person answer the phone. When we have a concern, we would always rather talk in person to someone we believe actually cares. But isn't that true in all areas of life? When we are talking with another person, are we trying to multitask at the same time? Are we giving that person our full attention? When we focus and listen, we are saying, I respect you and what you have to say. After all, that's how God treats us when we talk to Him. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's full attention on Route 66. Route 66,
0: driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com.
2: Route 66, start your journey home today.